Hello and welcome to the 13th episode of Digitalization Tech Talks. My name is Jonas Narinder and along with Don Mack, we'll be your hosts on today's episode. Now, we have a really great topic for today's podcast, cybersecurity, so we'll jump right into it. You really can't talk about digitalization without also talking about cybersecurity. And one of the key topics of digitalization involves collecting data, analyzing it. We've talked about that several times in several of our episodes. Now, you of course want to make sure that this is done in a safe environment, and this is where cybersecurity comes in. You want to minimize the risk of any sort of cyber attacks. Hi, Jonas. I agree. This is really a, a great topic to have as part of our series. Uh, the, and, and the amount of data that's being transmitted over networks into the cloud and the process industries is increasing dramatically due to reduced cost, reduced complexity, and many benefits that can be gained from that. And that makes the issue of cybersecurity even more important. Yeah, that's a good point, Don. So with us today, we have our colleague, Chuck Tommy, who is one of our resident cybersecurity experts here at Siemens. Uh, Chuck has 25 years of automation experience, and since he took a plunge and went back to school to earn a master's degree in cybersecurity a few years ago, he's essentially been working with that ever since. So Chuck, welcome to the show. We are very thrilled to have you on today. Thanks, Jonas uh, and Don. Uh, it's it's really a great pleasure to be here. Uh, I appreciate the uh, opportunity. Uh, Siemens DCP or Digital Connectivity and Power, the group that I work for, is, is really serious about helping everyone in the industrial automation space, customers, potential customers alike, um, just how to protect their systems better and uh, and understanding the the cybersecurity landscape out there. And today. You know, just to, to start off with, I wanted to mention kind of the two most compelling reasons that our customers uh, are really starting to pay attention to the OT cyber landscape today. The first one is a really amazing, dramatic rise in, in ransomware events, right? Everybody's heard of ransomware lately, and, uh, you know, it's, it's really starting to affect the OT side. So companies like uh, Colonial Pipeline, if you're we're in the southeast of the US uh, last year, uh, I'm sure you remember that where you couldn't get gas for uh, over a week. Uh, and they ended up paying over $4 million, most of which the FBI actually helped recover. Um, but still, uh, they paid the ransom to, to be able to get back online as quickly as possible. Then within a, a couple months, there was another uh, high profile attack on JBS Foods in the US and they paid $11 million. Don't think they've got any of that back uh, to our knowledge. And then another one that many of our uh, listeners may not have heard about is uh, Kaseya. It's very similar to the SolarWinds event where their software was infected and then when they pushed out a update, it got pushed out to approximately a thousand of their customers and then the ransomware folks uh, wanted 70 million dollars to help them fix that uh, and and again we got lucky on this one uh, and the FBI was able to recover some encryption keys so that they could uh, recover uh, those customers without paying the ransom but those customers were still down for for weeks or, or even longer some of them so you know ransomware is is getting uh, pretty bad, and they've really turned their attention to the OT side because they know if they can shut down production, uh, folks are willing to pay lots of money to get that production back and running. Um, so 
The second reason <clears throat> that we're we're really concerned about where OT cybersecurity going is, is really when you think about it, it's 300 plus reasons, and those are all bills that uh, before Congress on the House and Senate side, uh, which all deal in some way with cybersecurity. Some of them are about you know regulation, pure and simple. You're going to have to certain industries are going to have to uh, implement assessments and and improvements. And then some of them are, well, if we're going to require that, uh, you know, how are we going to fund that? And so there is some funding involved, uh, but it's no, nowhere enough, near enough to cover everybody. Um, so there's there's going to be regulation coming. Um, it's, it's obvious. Uh, so the sooner our customers get started down this journey, uh, the easier and the better it will be for them when that time comes and they have to start going through these audits and compliance reports. Yeah, so there, there certainly seems to be a sense of urgency when it comes to cybersecurity and especially with these bills that are being passed. Uh, let's have a look at how um, some of these attacks, some of those that you mentioned a little bit earlier, how some of these uh, attacks can be mitigated by means of standards. Uh, yes, there are cybersecurity standards in place, and one of the most important ones when discussing cybersecurity in relation to digitalization in the process industries is a little bit of a mouthful, IEC 62443. Can you give us a brief introduction to this standard, Chuck? Yeah, sure, absolutely. And, and to your point, uh, yeah, there are uh, multiple OT-specific cybersecurity standards out there. Um, this one in particular was created and is still maintained by ISA to their ISA 99 subcommittee. Um, and for the those of us that, you know, have that gray hair and have been around for a while. We remember ISA used to stand for Instruments Society of America, and then they kind of rebranded, uh, and now it's the International Society of Automation. But, you know, that instrument society part was really specific to the process industry, right? They were all about how do you instrument uh, the processes. And so the roots of IEC 62443 are really deep in the process world. And then Siemens is a big believer in using those standards, as, as we've already said. It, it really helps, uh, you know, create a, uh, a common lexicon, a common language out there so that we can work together, uh, enabling all these different stakeholders, whether they're OEMs, integrators, asset owners, end users, uh, EPC firms out there. Um, so when we get together on a project, we can all use that same language and uh, not waste time or or make errors uh, having different ideas of what we're talking about. So it really helps in that detailed design phase, even the implementation and especially the maintenance of, of these systems as they go through the years. So Chuck, would you say then that, 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 that that's one of the main purposes of the IEC standard to get that common language that makes it easier to have conversations about cybersecurity? Yeah, I, I really think it is. Um, you know, some people look at IEC 62443 as, as a really a detailed technical standard, and, and it is, it can be, it, it has a lot of those uh, details in it. Um, one of those key pieces is what we call security levels, and the standard does a great job of defining these, these levels of security um, so that, you know, we can look at their systems today and kind of assign a level to it, and then they can say, okay, based on, you know, what we think our risk tolerance is, we want to uh, in, in another year be at this security level and maybe, you know, ultimately 
uh, end at, at security level three or four. Um, and so that gives them a, a, a clear target to go after, which is very helpful, especially starting out. Um, if you're an end user and asset owner, there are sections in there that really help you look at what, what requirements should I look for in my service providers? Uh, you know, when I'm engaged in an EPC firm or an integrator or a managed service provider, what kind of things should I look for? Then it also talks about how do I implement it in my plant? How do I do patch management? How do I do risk assessments? Uh, even the, you know, if they're doing the design or if the, or if the service providers doing the design, at least it gives them some idea of how, what that design should include. And then if you're on the other side of that, if you're a service provider, uh, like an EPC firm or, or an integrator, uh, then a lot of those same things apply, but you know, there's implementation that implementation guidance, patch management, uh, and, and the requirements that now you know what the asset owners are going to be looking for when they go out and uh, for bid. So, so if if you can check those boxes, then you've got a much better chance, right, of of getting that project. And then for OEMs like Siemens, uh, the the last category, which has pretty been uh, been a pretty recent addition has two different parts. One that really talks about the secure product development lifecycle for products. So we can make sure that we're designing them and implementing them, building them, and, and then maintaining them uh, over their life cycle in a secure way. And then the second part is more on what are those basic uh, security requirements that should be built into those products. And that can be, uh, and then the products can be certified against that, uh, that those requirements. So a very comprehensive standard that covers a lot of uh, different aspects and a lot of different groups, uh, which is great to hear. But apart from the standards, are there any other steps that are being taken to cultivate this, uh, what I want to call maybe common ground in cybersecurity? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and, and the answer is yes. Uh, Siemens was involved uh, several years ago, I think it's 2018, that, that they helped found uh, what this thing called the Charter of Trust. And it's, and it's a cross-industry consortium uh, pulling from uh, IT, OT, um, folks making switches, uh, for folks uh, doing services, actually even insurance companies and uh, certification bodies too. And so the, there's kind of three main objectives of the Charter Trust. First is to secure the data of both individuals and companies. Second is to prevent damage as much as possible to, to people for sure, so safety, uh, and then infrastructure, uh, all of our plant equipment, and then the companies themselves, you know, reputational risk or, or financial risk is out there if we don't. Uh, and then third, we want to, you know, just really create that reliable foundation for the digital economy so that there's, there's faith in there to use a lot of these cool new technologies that all rely on that networking and, and data. There's uh, 10 other key principles that they talk about. I'm not going to go into the detail. Folks can go out and, and search for Charter Trust and read those, but they cover things like securing the supply chain, uh, making sure that you're designing uh, products with security by default, uh, some educational and, and regulatory things. Uh, but yeah, Charter Trust and then uh, ISA has a similar organization uh, and there's others around the world, but, but that there's multiple out there. And the whole idea is trying to make sure that we're uh, really creating that reliable foundation for for the digital economy. Well, that's great, Chuck. It's it's uh, great to hear about these collaborations. I think developments that come from uh, organizations or collaborations like Charter of Trust and mentioned ISA should really help. 
Um, considering that the, the focus of this podcast is on digitalization, what are some of the most significant cybersecurity issues that a manufacturer in the process industries uh, might encounter as part of their digital transformation journey? Yeah, great question. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we're seeing a lot of companies really kind of just getting started uh, on their digitalization, and then that uh, pretty much requires cybersecurity. Uh, so the, the digitalization and cybersecurity journeys are often parallel paths, right? Um, and, and that's because digitalization requires data uh, movement between the plant floor and, and the business, between the business and, and their partners, whether they're uh, you know, other service providers, the customers, or, or the uh, uh, suppliers for you know, raw materials. Uh, so there's a lot of data moving around and we really need to try to uh, make sure we're keeping that secure. So, so kind of the key part around, uh, around the digitalization pieces, we really got to make sure we're managing our uh, vulnerabilities. So you have to have a, a um, inventory of the things that are on the network because you don't know what vulnerabilities apply to what if you don't know what you have. And, and that means no one down to the uh, you know, the firmware revision and the, and the hardware out there. We need to limit who and what have access to that network. And, and that's a challenge because that changes all the time and the level of access may change. And then, you know, one of the key points that we stress to clients is to, to put in an industrial DMZ or uh, demilitarized zone. And that's just a term that means that we've got a, a, an area in the network where data from the IT side comes in. We, we can inspect it make sure that it's uh, you know good data it's not somebody trying to, to put malware in our system and then uh, and then it goes down into the system from there and, and vice versa stuff coming up out of the OT uh, system stops there make sure that it's good and, and uh, pass it on in the right way um, so that's kind of the key for digitalization uh, one of the key things for digitalization uh, a second one would be uh, and this is something um, that people don't think about a lot but is uh, critically important, and that's the need for an OT-focused cybersecurity program. So we, once we start putting in these technical controls, and and you know whether that's intrusion detection systems or or just a firewall, um, you know we, somebody's got to maintain that long term. And if you don't have a program in place, uh, number one, you don't really know, uh, you know what what should go where in your system and what type of device and uh, you know, how are you going to segregate your systems? Uh, so those are the policies and procedures that need to come out of the program. And then, you know, long term, somebody's got to maintain that. So you got to have uh, responsibilities uh, and make sure uh, that somebody's maintaining it because there's absolutely nothing static uh, about a cybersecurity in general. And, a, and an OT network is changing, you know, all the time. The devices on it change, the users change, uh, what they're doing changes, applications change, just change all over the place. So bad guys can really take uh, advantage of that because there is so much change if somebody is not looking at that on a constant basis and, and making sure that those changes are done securely uh, and that and they're tracked so that you know if something does come up in the future you know what you've got in your system and can respond quickly uh, then you know the bad guys have a, a much easier time of getting in yeah, that, uh, well, first of all, the, the challenges you mentioned, I can definitely understand those um, facing our, uh, the, the end users. And um, you mentioned this this uh, OT-focused cybersecurity program. It does seem like a, a really critical part. Um, I guess, could you also cover maybe some basic ways that end users can get more secure? 
Yeah, sure. So that that program, you know, it may take a while to set up. And so when we talk to customers starting their journey again, um, you know, a lot of times we'll do a two parallel tracks. Like we'll say, hey, work on getting that program set up. But here's some things that, you know, any program is going to say you need to do. And the first one, uh, and, and this is uh, related to the, the, the advance of, of ransomware all over the world, is we need backups. And we need not just you know, kind of what we used to think of as backups is, um, you know, okay, we'll back up this program and put it on a server somewhere. But but we need secure, complete, and tested backups, right? So you, you need an offline copy of those backups because ransomware has been already seen in multiple instances to go and look for uh, backups, uh, you know, systems and, and make sure that they encrypt those because it makes it much harder to recover from ransomware. So you need an offline backup, you need to make sure that it's complete. It has everything that you need to restore. And the only way you're really going to know that for sure is if you test them and try to restore from backups. Uh, you know, pick a server every down uh, time you have, uh, you know, every scheduled downtime uh, and, and try to restore it and make sure that you know how to restore not only the application, but, you know, these days we're doing uh, certificate based uh, encryption. So you got to know how to set up that uh, certificate again. And then a lot of the licensing for applications too is is based on what hardware, what specific hardware it's uh, deployed on originally. So you may need to have a, a hotline number for the supplier of that software so that you can reauthorize that license on new hardware. So that, that's that's critical to backup systems. And then the second I would say is is a full detailed inventory. I touched on this earlier. You really have to know the model number, the supplier support information, like I just talked about. And then you also need to know the current firmware that's running in that device so that as vulnerability reports come out, they're always based on what firmware is in there and, and then what firmware you need to uh, you know, upgrade to, to get rid of that vulnerability. So if you don't know what you're running, then you don't know if it applies to yourself and it causes a lot of uh, extra time and effort uh, to go check every time there's a vulnerability report out. And then the third thing I would say, uh, very basic, uh, is segregation. And what we mean by that is is uh, putting a firewall in between, especially IT and uh, the OT boundary. So we talked about that demilitarized zone earlier, making sure that you're inspecting traffic as it goes between the two sides sides of the the network. Um, and then also nowadays we talk about even uh, segregating. Uh, down in the plant, so different lines, making sure that they're segregated from each other so that if uh, something gets infected with malware or ransomware on one line, it doesn't, uh, you know, race through the whole uh, plant and, and take the whole plant down. It may only take that one line down if you have some good segregation going. So want to make sure that uh, you have uh, some form of segregation, especially ITOT, hopefully down in the plant too, so that, you know, instead of um, just having a headache of of reinstalling a few machines on one line, uh, you know, if you don't have that segregation, then you, it might turn into a, a nightmare. And even, you know, some companies have gone bankrupt because uh, the whole plant went down and their single plant site. And, you know, it's hard to recover when you when you're not making any money. That's that's really good advice, Chuck. Uh... Thank you for that. So here towards the end, do you have any very last comments or one last comment to our listeners? Um, you know, I, I would just uh, reiterate the, the importance of that OT cybersecurity program. Uh, you know, we can, like I said, you can start getting these basics in place, 
uh, while you're working on creating that program. But until you have a program in place with defined responsibilities and policies and procedures, then there's no mechanism for maintaining those great new systems that we put in to make us more secure. And so over time, they're actually going to decay and become less secure. Well, thanks, Chuck. That was a lot of great, uh, great points today that you made. And we really do appreciate having you on the show today and providing us with all these excellent insights into cybersecurity, the standards around it, and giving us some advice and some of our listeners advice on how they can get their journey started. Yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, hopefully we can uh, schedule another one in the future and, and do a little deeper dive. But uh, this has been great. Yeah, I think I think there might be you know one or two additional cybersecurity episodes in the future. There's so much to talk about, and today we obviously just scratched the surface, but it was uh, the surface. So it was definitely great to have you, Chuck. Thank you. Uh, with that, we are essentially wrapping up today's episodes of uh, today's episode of Digitalization Tech Talks. As always, if you have any questions about cybersecurity to Chuck, please feel free to email him directly. We do have the email in the show notes. And Don and I would be delighted about any comments, any thoughts, any feedback on the show in general, or also on the topics. We'd obviously love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to us as well. If you liked what you heard today, help spread the word by rating the show. And of course, make sure to subscribe so you're in the know about any new episodes. And finally, don't forget the poll if you're listening on Spotify. You can tap the episode description on your phone and the poll will appear right below it. That's all, folks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Digitalization Tech Talks.